You are listening to the Phoenix Podcast with UK life and wellbeing coach Zoe Thompson. Meaningful and light-hearted conversations packed with hints, tips and advice to help you live the life that you want with confidence. Like, subscribe, share and make sure you stay tuned to create the tomorrow you want while learning to love your today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fire Five at Phoenix. So if you haven't ever joined an episode of this before, it's a very simple concept. Five unseen questions, which my guest will be asking me today. So you'll be joining us for a great conversation. We cover some pretty serious topics, um, but in a fairly easygoing and lighthearted way. And my guest today is Sarah Robbins-Hobden. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, So before we get into the questions, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Um, I'm a coaching psychologist and a researcher developer. And I work with researchers in various different um, places. So they might be at universities, they might be at research institutes, they might be in industry. And many of them are practitioners as well. So they're part academics, part practitioners, and we call them pracademics. Um, so my work is around performance coaching, enhancing skills, all that kind of stuff. Amazing. Pracademics. I've not heard that before. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> it's good one. It is a good one. So we've, I mean, for, for context for people watching and listening in, we first met back in, I think, 2014, there or thereabouts, where we were on the same train the trainer self-development course. And we've kept in touch since then and sort of have that peer coaching relationship but good friendship that's developed along the way too so I'm intrigued as to what questions you have today with the topic is on reflection and review this is being recorded in December so it's a good time lots of people reflecting and reviewing the year so intrigued as to what questions you've got today I am ready when you are okay thank you Zoe um shall I just dive straight in then I thought I'd give you the easy ones first. So I thought I'd ask you, what kind of reflections and reviews do you do? And I'm cheeky. I've added a second part to this. So what what do you do? What's the purpose? And the second part is, how have they evolved over time for you? Good questions. So, okay, first part of the question, what do I do and what's the purpose? And I think actually it's the purpose that's evolved over time as well. So I think when I first started... Actually, I remember my very first, certainly business uh, reflections. I was on a train somewhere. can't remember where I was going. It's probably not relevant. But I was on the train going somewhere. And it was the first sort of six months, between six and 12 months of, of being in the business. And I remember sitting on the train and writing out all of the work that I had done to date. Uh, people that I'd worked with, whether that was organisations or individuals. And I started listing out all of the things that I really enjoyed most about working with all of them. And then looked at what lessons that I had learned in like along the way with each of those clients. And then that then was helping me to just shape what did I want more of? Because, I, you know, being you know self-employed as well is that it's difficult sometimes isn't it to find the balance of work opportunities that come in and what is it that you're looking for but also what what is it that you need to keep a successful business thriving so for me it was I, I it was important especially in the first 12 months to look at taking as many opportunities as possible but then starting to refine what it was that I wanted more of so I think the purpose in the early days was very much that of where are the opportunities coming from? What do they look like? What do I enjoy most about them? But then importantly, the learning to make sure that any mistakes or lessons learned along the way weren't repeated in like that next 12 months. I think now, sort of five years on, very similar, similar process. I look back across the years, I capture each month, I look at who you know numbers that I've worked with the volume where the works come from what the different sort of work streams are uh, and again look to see that balance of where's the volume of work but also the the profit or purpose passion that's in behind that and then look to see where I can increase those connections to increase that type of work 
Um, but also look at the feedback from individuals that I've worked with as well. So I'm very fortunate that a lot of the people that I work with are very open and honest in their feedback, which is really helpful. So it means that I can keep things evolving as well. So with the group programs of making sure that they're still fit for purpose for the people that are still working with me. So it's definitely changed. So I think the purpose has probably shaped the how, the method maybe. How, what do you do? Because I know we're in similar lines of work, but we do have different types of clientele, if you like. But how do you how do you reflect and review your year? And in a similar way to you, also I think that our our purpose of doing the review changes when our purpose of the work we do also changes. And sometimes there can be a misalignment. So I'll suddenly notice I'm reviewing what I've done over the last few months. And I'll think that kind of wasn't the direction I thought I was headed in uh, or yeah. that I wanted. And the review is useful for me to ask that question of myself. Well, what do I want from the next stage? Mm -hmm. Does that same thing happen for you? Yeah, so I think it's interesting. And I know we quite often have conversations, don't we, at the beginning of the year of the direction that we want to head in and what we want the year to look like. And opportunities come your way, don't you, that unexpected and sometimes that can that can create an opportunity almost to go off course and then it's weighing up then isn't it okay this is the direction that I set this is where I want to go is this a detour that's going to bring me back round and still in the direction that I want to head or actually do I need to sit and reflect on the direction that I'm going in and maybe there is an opportunity to to change that but I think then it's a more conscious decision rather than just going with the flow of what comes up and more purposeful, I guess, more intentional decision making around those opportunities. And it's difficult, isn't it? I get so excited by things that pop up and then it's like, oh, but if I do that, then I can't do that. And which one's more important? And yeah, it's a tough, tough decision to make sometimes. But I think with a direction and knowing where you're heading, it makes it easier to answer those questions. It does. I think it also means that if we have that point of review, you have the opportunity to give yourself permission to go off course. Yes. If you're like, oh, actually, I really enjoyed doing that and it wasn't in the plan, but I do kind of want more. You get to go back and edit the plan. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I think that's I think that certainly that's what I see with with people that I work with. I, I suspect you might see something similar. I, I, it'd be good to hear from from your perspective as well. But I think sometimes people get very stuck on a decision that they've made or a goal that they've set and it's that buy-in of well I've got this far so I need to push it over the line or I've worked this hard or I've invested this much effort and energy into it that I now need to make sure that I get it over the line rather than that stop reflection of actually is this still important to me is this where I want to invest my time is this where I want to put my energy and maybe making a different decision. And I think that's quite often where people feel stuck, they feel frustrated. And it's an, a level of overwhelm in there as well, isn't there? Because yeah. they're putting effort and energy into something that is not, it's not connecting the dots for them anymore. It's difficult. I mean, often that happens with my clients as well. It's called the sunk cost fallacy, isn't it? Yes. Where it's like you buy a car and it costs you 50 quid, but then you spend £100 getting new tyres and another couple of hundred, you know, doing it all. And you're like, but I've already invested so much in this. Yeah. And that opportunity for review gives us a chance to ask those really difficult questions like, do I still want this? And if I still want this, do I still want it to look like that? Could yeah. it be different? You know, why am I holding myself to this promise that I made so long ago when the underlying purpose has changed? And also we change as people, we develop. So not only our purpose, but holding ourselves to an old promise sometimes doesn't make sense. So true. And you think sometimes in people, especially with working towards personal goals, you change and you develop as you as you get more close to that success what success looks like so sometimes what the original goal that you've set you could push that a little bit further you can make it a little bit bigger because you've you've worked really hard and you're you're changing and developing as time goes and sometimes it's the opposite sometimes it's actually this is more challenging than I thought or I have less time and energy to invest than I thought I had and so I need to to adjust that I think sometimes that stickability can be uh, you know an un uncomfortable place to be or that negative place to be because you're sticking to something that is no longer fit for purpose yeah I came across a quote the other day that said the most important aspect of a warrior's training is learning to know when to retreat 
And I think that that's quite applicable in these situations, knowing when to step back and say, that goal is no longer serving me. Yeah. And I find on a personal level, my, I guess, my attributes of drive and determination, that's when they can become the negative because I'm, I'm determined to do this. I'm going to get it over the line because I said I was going to do it. You know, that very positive statement of if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And then sometimes that becomes the negative because I'm there getting it over the line because I said I would, even though there's huge parts of me that are like, you need to walk away from this now and <laughs> or change direction. So, yeah, it's it's sometimes that's for me is that drive and determination then becomes the more negative attribute of stubbornness to get something mm. over the line, even though I know it's not actually what I want anymore. That's a really we good into that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask my second question? Yeah. Because I think this might lead on beautifully from what we've been talking about. And it's, for you, what do you believe are the differences between effective and ineffective review and reflection? Ooh. Got me thinking on that one. Well, that's good. Yeah. The brain, the brain is ticking over over here. I just, it's an interesting question, and I, I think the purpose is probably a big part of that. Be you need to define the purpose of the review to work out how the review needs to be done to then know whether it's effective or ineffective. So I think for me, the ineffective is just not just sitting down and looking at the year and going, "Oh, that was kind of nice," <laughs> you know, thinking, "Yeah, let's do a little bit more of that next year." I think it needs to be a very purposeful intentional review that for me is probably the effective of what's the outcome that you want of the review what are you trying to learn what information are you looking for what confirmation are you looking for maybe what challenge are you looking for because I think we, we we see what we look for don't we so I think you need to be very intentional about what information you are trying to gather that then you then know whether that's effective I think lack of planning lack of definition maybe would make it ineffective it's an interesting question what what was your thinking when you wrote the question did you have something in mind well it happens for myself and also for some of my clients and probably mm. for yours as well that sometimes you do a review and you're like that's great I'm now going to ABC mm -hmm. and sometimes you do a review and you tuck it away in the folder and you put it away and you never look at it again and in a way that's dead time but what happened to make that less effective mm. that's so true isn't it I, it's that that next step isn't it what do you do now you know what you know what do you now do with that information because that's what makes the review effective isn't it? it's the lessons learned and best practice and what you do next and I, I, I'm going back into my old world of business change and how often do we see companies do that? They do a big review and they do lots of looking into the best practice and the lessons learned and then it gets filed away or people change positions and it then doesn't go anywhere. The actions aren't taken. So I think the actions, yeah, which which is the bit that's effective or is it linking up the two of a good quality review of knowing what it is that you're looking for, knowing what information that you want to gather, and then what you then do with that information in those next steps. So part of it is looking back historically, establishing the learning, noticing the development, mm -hmm. figuring out what happened when things didn't go great. <clears throat> the second part of it, how you take that into the future, because if you don't do that bit, is it a review? Yeah. Or is it just a reflection? Yeah. Oh, is that Ooh. different? <laughs> oh, do I need to edit my question list? Or should I just <laughs> and it's interesting because at the end of the workshops that I do, whether it's with, with organisations or individuals, I put, a, put the last screen up is always a light bulb and a foot. And I ask people for their light bulb moment and a next step. Because the important thing for me in any workshop or any learning environment and, and in a coaching environment as well is what, what have you learned today? So what's resonated with you? What, what learning are you taking away? Mm. But then what are you going to do with that? What's your next step? Now you know what you know. What, what could you do differently that might bring a different outcome? Because that's what I want people to take away when they're leaving the workshop is 
oh, okay, this was, this was, you know, just that one snippet. And quite often that's all it is, is just that little light bulb that goes off that starts that inner dialogue of, oh, I could do this, or maybe I could do that. And then having that next step to take away. So when people leave the workshop, they're thinking about what they can go and do differently and put that into place. So, so I guess a similar, similar process with a more structured review of actually what have I learned and what what will I now do differently or maybe not what will I now do the same or what will I stop doing yes <laughs> that's what I need to do more of I need to, I'm very good at doing more not mm. so good at doing less it's a good challenge in this Venn diagram we've got on the one hand the review and then on the other hand we've got the planning and action and there mm. is an overlap there is a blurry bit that is both isn't there yeah yeah there is leading beautifully into my next question how I wish you... I haven't seen by the way <laughs> <laughs> this is pure chance <laughs> it is actually because I haven't numbered the questions I'm picking them as the topics come through nice so I'm wondering how we can really help clients who uh, may get, and I talk from personal experience here as well, stuck in the review phase or in the planning and not moving towards action because it's comfortable to look at what's happened and to decide what you might do next. And sometimes it can be really uncomfortable actually doing the things. How do we help with that transition? That's such an interesting question because I, the challenge for me is the opposite. Is it? I jump straight into, right, let's do the do and not think about it, which for anybody that knows me knows that that's quite a common trait for me is that I just jump in with two feet and then think about it and work it out as I go. So reflection and review time has been the challenge for me and setting time aside to do that and recognizing the value of doing that. Mm. so it's it but I do see the opposite especially with people that I work with I do see the opposite and that lots of planning lots of uh lots of spending time thinking about things it's almost a procrastination tool isn't it of well if I just keep thinking and I keep writing lists and I keep writing plans but not actually getting the thing done I somebody called it procrastinating. <laughs> you do all of lots and lots of different courses because you're still learning how to do it and you're not quite ready to do the thing yet so you keep investing more time in learning how to do it whereas actually from my point of view my learning and my best learning is the doing in the doing I think is why I jump straight in because I think I worry more the more I think about it so if I jump straight into it I can learn as I go and I can work it out as I go. But actually, I know that that's kind of not how successful businesses work, that you do need to reflect and review and spend that time looking at data and looking at the information. So it's fine for me, it's finding finding the balance. But I, I find that even when I'm in the review process, my mind is running off with, you could do that differently. And then I have to be really careful that that doesn't become the shiny thing and that I don't get diverted into those actions that are starting to come out of the review process that I have to make a list and think that I need to come back to that later and finish what I'm doing. So I, it's the opposite for me. So I, I think that sometimes helps those conversations because I have that different perspective of asking different questions to help people think about it in a different way. But I also then learn from the answers that people are giving because it is a different perspective. So it's always interesting that whilst other people are working it through, because they're coming at it from the opposite side of the table, it gives me ideas of how I might be able to do something because it's almost that very strange thing that I would like some of their problem. I feel the same way. I look, I'm listening to you talk now and I'm thinking, oh, to have the courage to just go, who cares if this will work or not, let's just try it and dive in. I, I need to feel ultra ready before I move to action. But listening to you, it sounds like you assess the risk slightly differently. And so your readiness is greater. Would you guess that that's what we're at? I think assess the risk is quite a loose term for me. <laughs> 
I tend to be, I, or half the time I'm already one foot in before I think, oh, probably should have thought about this a little bit more. But yeah, it's strange, isn't it? I wonder whether that's part of that is police background of the environment that I learned to work in where you don't have the time to really think about things. You don't have time to gather information. And sometimes the information isn't there to gather to be able to make the decision. So you you get to be very comfortable with making quick decisions with very little information and risk assessing, gathering information and making different decisions as you go. So I, I strongly suspect that that is just how I learned to work because that was my working environment. When I came out of that environment and into running a business, I knew that that had to change because you you can't run a business in that way, not fully. I think there are benefits to doing that, but I think I had to learn to slow it down and to spend more time reflecting, to spend more time looking at that review process to be able to keep shaping and keep evolving. So I've had to learn to do it both ways. I know which one I'm more comfortable with, mm. but I also recognize that that's not always the best possible solution. Sometimes it does need to slow down to be able to make things work more effectively. This is so weird. It's like a mirror image of my own experiences because I feel because I was trained as a scientist and as a researcher mm -hmm. that I need to be absolutely sure I have all the... You're saying you don't... Sometimes there isn't... You can't get all the information. You can just act. You can go for it. Whereas inside, I am cringing away from that idea terribly. And I'm thinking, no, no, no. We must have all the information and the data before we can make a choice as to right action or before we even share it. So it's almost as if we're both... At, extremes mm. you've learned to move this way but you're comfortable here but you've still adapted and you've developed those skills yeah. and I've had to learn to do the same to sometimes leap and build the wings on the way down yeah. you know when appropriate and sometimes crash land that too happens doesn't it <laughs> yeah but I still retreat to my comfort zone frequently do you try to right <laughs> I think it's interesting isn't it? and I think this is why you know and I for, for people listening into this conversation, this is very typical, isn't it, of conversations that we have when we have our check-ins. And I think because we are polar opposites in some of the ways that we approach things, it's meant that we've worked so well together because we offer that completely different perspective. And I think it's uh, there's a lot of value in spending time with people who think differently who have different so experiences much. because it challenges the way that you think and you know like you were saying a minute ago about having that courage to step in you know for me it's about it's a courage to slow down because for me there's a fear of missing out or a fear of you know it, especially mm. in the police world if you don't take action there's there's a lot that could happen if you don't do something and although do nothing is an acceptable decision you have to think and make those decisions very quickly and regularly so I think it's good for me to come out of that comfort zone even though it's not for a lot of people that's not a comfortable place to be for me that it's familiar it, it, mm. I guess comfortable is not always a good word to describe it it's certainly familiar but just because it's familiar doesn't mean that it's the best way forward in all of those situations so yeah maybe preferred is better than comfort zone to define yeah, that. yeah I, it's, it's also knowing what you know isn't it and when you work in in a world where I'm, I, there were different departments that I worked in in the police and certainly in, in the later part of my career there I worked in departments that were a lot slower paced so I had to learn to slow things down and wait for information to come through and make those decisions and that was I, I would say that 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 12 month period of moving from one department to another was my steepest learning curve really in the 20 years that I was there because it was such a different way of working you know, I'd be like, almost like, oh, can we just make a decision? Like, we just, like, we need to be doing something. And they were like, Zoe, we don't need to be doing anything right now. We need to make sure that we gather the information and we make the right decision the first time because we don't get a second decision in this environment. Mm -hmm. And that was just, 
that, I mean, that blew my mind because I'd come from a department where you made a decision based on one line of information and then you made different decisions as more information came through and it was a fast-paced environment. So it completely flipped the switch for me. It was such a steep learning curve. But I think what that has enabled me to do coming out of that workplace environment into running a business is it gave me the tools to be able to do both and recognize the benefits of both. I just have to remind myself that there are two ways of doing things. <laughs> <laughs> I was like halfway through it and I think oh, this could probably do with a slower pace. <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> I'd like to ask my next question. Mm. And this one is when things haven't gone to plan. So say you're doing your review and things haven't gone to plan. And I'm not going to use the F word failure here because there's too much, I think, propensity for us to judge things as good, bad, mm -hmm. success, failure. And there's lots of things in between. And sometimes when you don't get what you want, what you get is a brilliant experience. Yeah. So when things don't go according to plan, how do you measure success in a review or a reflective situation so that it's different to the intended success that you had so that you're still actually getting something out of that? Mm. That reframe is really important, isn't it? That To be able to take that step back and look at what was a success within it, even if the outcome was was different. So I, I think for me, I and it's a similar approach to one that I worked through with people that I work with as well is finding the small wins so what did work really well and sometimes that is how you responded to things or it's not necessarily a, a measurable outcome sometimes it's how things felt or how you responded or reacted to something in a different way to how you might have done before and I think also looking at the I mean it's those words that came up in that first question the purpose and the intention because sometimes the purpose is still met, it's just met in a different way. You've still achieved an outcome that fulfills the purpose. It just wasn't what you had anticipated it to look like. So I think there's lots of different questions to ask in different ways to measure that. But I think also that the important question for me is often about the learning because where, even if you have achieved what you meant to achieve in the way that you meant to achieve it there's also still learnings within that as well and I think we can be very quick to go oh did that tick the box and move on and not necessarily spend time looking at what did you do that made that successful what did you do differently that helped you to achieve that in exactly the way that you wanted to achieve it so I think there's we're very quick aren't we to spend time chewing things over that when they haven't gone well or they yeah. haven't gone as planned we don't always spend that same time when things have gone well because that's where we mirror our own excellence that's where we can say that's what I did really well there that's what I can do again in the future and being able to consciously put those tools in the toolbox for the next time I think that the learning question for me is is the most important one rather than looking at what rather than asking the question, what didn't go so well, asking the question, what have I learned here? Because that's a much more, for me, it's a more positive reframe. It's asking the same question. It's asking the same answer, different question, asking for the same information, but in a more solution-focused, positive-focused way. How do you do it? I'm intrigued. Similarly to you, because what you've, described is what I would say as a process focus rather than an outcome focus yeah and you're absolutely right when you said there that it's not just when things go wrong we need to look at that it's also when things go right because like you say there's a tendency to take the cake and go great and not review the baking process and yeah. I think that if we're process focused if we ask did I make that choice with the best intention did I put the right people and mm -hmm. purpose at the center mm -hmm. of that choice and did I do the best I could given the difficult circumstances those questions for me help me tap into a bit more of what you were saying about the process how you said how do I respond how did I act how did I behave what did I do that made those things happen I find the question what did I learn from this quite difficult just for me personally because I always think that learning must come as a result of failure 
So I ask myself those slightly different questions like, you know, did I do my best in this instance? Did I put the people at the centre of it? And then try and ignore, not ignore the outcome, but just think that wasn't why we did this. Yeah. Because the purpose isn't the outcome. The purpose is to develop something either that's useful for people or to help people get to a certain stage. And you also said as well, I think it's really important that the outcome might not look like you'd planned, but it still might fulfill your purpose. Mm-hmm. And by focusing on the process, you can figure out if that might be a fluke or something you could repeat if you wanted to. So true. And I really intrigued us that, that, that again, that difference between the sort of that police emergency services type approach to reviewing those decisions to the more scientific approach of reviewing and whether or not they're very similar, because certainly with the police, when they'll look at when they look at reviewing things that have happened they'll look at the decision making process and they'll ask questions and certainly people will document what do they know at that time what options are available to them at that time knowing what they know and out of the possible outcomes what are the different consequences or potential consequences of those different decisions and then which decision have they made based on which evidence or information that's available to them. So it's documented at certain points, but they'll document what they know at that time, because it's very easy, isn't it? When we look back on things to see the whole picture, but when we're in it and we're making those decisions, we're not looking at the big picture. We We can remind ourselves to take a step back to see as much as we can see at that time. But it's not the same as looking back on things in December for a decision that was made in March. Mm. I know a whole lot more now than I knew in March. So it's very difficult, isn't it, to go back and reflect and review decisions that you've made. Now you know more. It is that benefit of hindsight, but also we're not the same person looking at things in the same way that there's the quote isn't there uh, i i need to remember exactly word for word what this quote is but it's a quote along the lines of no man steps the same man doesn't step into the same river twice because the yeah. man changes or the river changes and that's really important to remember and sometimes i will remind myself of that actually i can look at this now but I've also experienced another nine months of working in business. I've learned more. I know more. If I were to travel back in time as me now to make that decision, the chances are I might make a different decision again because I know more now. I've evolved throughout that process. So I think there is it is important to reflect on the decisions that you've made. You have to remind yourself that what did you know at that time and it is that check-in, did you make the best decision knowing what you knew at that time with the best of intentions? Because sometimes, and as anyone that's ever worked with me knows, one of the most common things that I talk about is things that are done with best of intentions that have unintended consequences. And it's what you then do when those consequences happen that then makes the next decision and the next decision and the next decision. And it's it's how you respond to that that is just as important as that initial decision but so easy isn't it to so much easier to look at the big picture and you know give yourself a hard time for something that you know when you know more now it's that reminder sometimes of you know more now and you you know more as an individual you've evolved you have more information available to you now you've got more tools and more resources to be able to look at that in a different way but it's taking the learning of where you are now and not just the learning of where you were then that's the difference for me i think it requires i think an element of compassion and empathy with your past self because mm-hmm. like you say you can't see the label when you're sitting inside the jar and when i when i work with clients and i know that you do too there's there's the why question can be really unhelpful so you say to somebody why did you do that why did you make that choice firstly we raise their defenses don't we I get defensive Mm -hmm. when I get asked why and the second thing that happens is we look at it from where we are now not from where we were then and in a review more helpful questions go along the lines of how did you arrive at that choice Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. you know talk yourself through the thinking that got you to make that decision because you're right you need to be able to look at it from where you were 
with the wisdom of where you are now, but not the judgment of where you are now. And I think that's important. Yes. Yeah. Look at it with the wisdom, but without the judgment. Love that. Make notes, people. <laughs> she says, writing it down. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so important because we're so good, aren't we, at, at almost, you know, how, you know t telling ourselves off or, you know, going into that negative space of you should have made a different decision, you should have known better, you should have done better that's not that's not the learning is it that's not you need to walk yourself back through the process that you went through to arrive arrive there before and then look at it with the wisdom of where you are now I love that hmm. I will briefly answer the question that you asked at the beginning of that you said oh it's like this in the police force and we analyze the decision making structure yeah risk and the outcomes and I would say for researchers it's probably a very similar process but the startling difference to me is the speed at which we each go through that process <laughs> you talk of it as if it's like whoo done whereas I'd be like let's take two years to analyze this and then we'll have a meeting and talk about it in in fairness with certainly with the police when they get to the review process and major case reviews they they are lengthy lengthy processes with multiple agencies involved so anybody that is involved in that decision making process as part of that becomes part of that review as well so it's lots of people around the table looking at different decision points and who was involved who could have been involved who needs to be involved the next time something similar happens so there's a lot of learning to take from those so although the original decisions are made in a very fast-paced environment those sort of bigger case reviews are sort of multi-agency and very, very slow and methodical. But I suspect that that is because they bring researchers in <laughs> with that process. I know that that's something that they use multiple agencies for, and I'm pretty sure that they have, you know, an expert consultant with that researcher background to come in to help them to slow that down and use methodology rather than a faster pace perhaps not such an effective review so another example of bringing cognitive differences together to work mm -hmm. collaboratively as a team means it's better it works better yeah, I, love it. yeah. Ah. I have one more question for you okay um, and I've scribbled out lots of words in this question and then rewritten them. And I'm just going to try and fly with it because I found it really hard to articulate on paper, but maybe I'll do better when I talk. So I haven't always found it easy to do reflective practice, to ask those questions, to sit and so on. Having a preference for experiential learning myself. So I like to experience something, but I like to experience it in safety. So I wouldn't say I like to actively learn things. Um, but nevertheless, I found that reflective practice and picking up the way of doing it that worked for me took a very long time. And I was quite resistant to it at the beginning. I found it boring, unhelpful, and I found it like a game of question and answer tennis. What went well? This went well. What went less well? That went less well. And I'm like, really, must we do this? I sometimes work with clients who also don't have highly developed skills for um, reflecting and who perhaps don't want to reflect so much so I guess my question is how can we help those people who feel less comfortable doing it without saying that they must do it but finding a way for them in which it still serves their purpose mm -hmm. but may not look like the same way we do it or other people mm -hmm. do that's a good question because I think I am one of those people oh <laughs> do you <laughs> I, I, I yeah I, I do I, I definitely understand the value of it I definitely understand the purpose of it but it is it is something that I have to remind myself of the purpose and the value before I sit down to do it otherwise it is very easy for me to kind of put that further down the to-do list um, and jump into the the ideas that I've already got without really thinking about why these ideas are an improvement on the last ideas and will give me the outcome that I'm looking for. So I, I you know, internally smiling away as you said it, because I, I think I am people. <laughs> I am that person. So I think it's always an interesting conversation. And I think that's the, the benefit of coaching, isn't it, is that you step, you step out of that 
of your own space and your own ways of doing things to help the person sitting in front of you to ask those questions to help them to reflect and think about things in a different way I think it is I think from a, a coach to client perspective it's looking at what is the outcome where is it what is it they're trying to achieve so again that purpose and if you can work from the purpose to find out what what are they comfortable with what what are they thinking their options are which of those are more preferable to them and why then you can start to explore perhaps methodologies that they are more comfortable with or or are more in line with their preferences of how to approach things and how to think things through i think the important thing is helping them to understand the purpose of it because if I think of it from my perspective, if I can understand why I'm doing this and what the value is in doing this, it's much easier for me to get on board and think, okay, right, I'm doing this for a reason. It is an investment of my time, but I'm going to get something out of it that's going to help me in that next stage. So although I want to jump straight to the action and I want to jump straight to the, well, what am I doing next? What am I doing differently? Spending that time reflecting and reviewing will help make those next steps easier so I think I guess I mean it's different for different people isn't it I know for me it would be I need to understand the value and the purpose to get on board with the process the process really could I mean it could be very different for different people couldn't it I think it's just mm. about understanding what have they done what have they done in the past where have they done something like this before that was a, a method or a process that they found useful? You know, where have they done something similar in the past? What have they seen other people do that they've liked the look of or that they they think that that might be a way that works forward for them? And then it's almost that tweak then, isn't it, of the, the trial and error of working out a way that works for you. I think but things do things do change and evolve year on year don't they because we we learn more and we do things we do things differently and and the business or the goal might change that you need a different process to the one that you've had before for a different goal so I think there's there's so many options out there isn't there I think that that's the key message is that it, this doesn't need to be a one process for everybody you can find a way that works for you and I know some people who you know, they, they will look at the data, but actually most of the reflection and review is going on a very long walk and having a really good think about things. Yes. And it's not post-it notes and brown paper and it's not data charts and graphs and pie charts and it's not a numbers game. It's more a, a thinking space and thinking things through. So, yeah, it's very different. It's the value because there's two kinds of thinking, isn't there? There's focused thought, which is this is puzzle solving. This is answering questions. Then there's diffuse thought, which is the I'm having a shower and go, oh, that's what I should do about that problem. Right. Or like you say, you're out on a walk or it's always when you've got no way of capturing the solution, isn't it? So you have yeah. to keep it in your head till you get home. And I think the balance between those two modes of thought can help release the pressure that we sometimes put on ourselves to do the review when we're sitting and looking at the questions we've created for ourselves or the process that we're doing and we feel kind of stuck and maybe we're doing it because we've said we'd do it so we circle back yeah. to question one of this conversation yeah. it's sometimes really useful to say well the solution might not come out of these post-it notes mm -hmm. the solution might come out of here but where do I need to be and what do I need to be doing to give it a chance to come out mm -hmm. yeah and that most of mine come to me quite often on a cliff top between Exmouth and uh, Budley Salterton. That's where most of them come up because I spend the time looking at the information, but then I know that actually a good a good stomp across the coastal path is a good way to give those that thinking time to connect the dots and come through. So I've got some very random notes that have been recorded in my phone, you know, I, and I am that person that just stops dead in the middle because I've had a thought and I need to capture it. It's like that domino effect of people getting stuck behind me because I've just stopped randomly because I need to capture something. So sorry, sorry about that, people, but like, you've got to write these things down when they come to you, don't you? But that's that for me is I need that thinking time. And, and actually for me, it's not a structured thinking time. It's mm. giving myself space 
to have that thinking time and be able to let things percolate and breathe a little bit and and not rush into the doing so having some space in the diary where I don't have clients and where I can go somewhere different to be able to just let things slow down a little bit because I do have that tendency to work at such a fast pace that actually I have to create an environment that slows that slows me down but it doesn't not you know none of this has to be a structured way or a process there's benefits to it but you've got to make it work for you haven't you Mm. yeah definitely I think it's really important I also think we have something in common here because you use those moments of blocking the coastal path at Exmouth for other walkers by capturing your thoughts I use my walking the dogs moments but you use them to slow down the move into action and to complete the review Mm. I use them to consider how I can turn my reviews into action so Uh it's almost as if maybe that space that thinking space provides an element of help with the transitions yeah can thought about it that way before yeah that's really interesting it's really interesting I, I think thinking space is really important isn't it and I I think that I notice that in the way the world works at the moment there's not a lot of time for a lot of people to have that thinking space and I think that's one yeah. thing that we're very fortunate as self-employed people you know running running your own business that you get to create your timeline you get to create your schedule and create that space and I think that's definitely something that I pick up on is everything's just so fast at the moment isn't it everything is full there's this need to be busy there's this need to fill every space and be doing something and there's a guilt attached to just sitting or just doing something for yourself or going for a walk and you know walks have become about getting 10,000 steps in not just going for a walk it's a nice thing to do everything's I don't know it's just it just feels at the moment that everybody could do with a little bit of slowing down even if the slowing down is to speed up or if the slowing down is needed to just catch that moment but yeah, I just, I certainly, that's something that I've benefited from this year is creating that space to have that thinking time and balance out the speed of everything else to be able to do that. But it sounds like you create that space with a different purpose, but there's still the same amount of value within that. Definitely. And I think you said as self-employed people, we're privileged to be able to create those spaces that doesn't mean we always do because there's a sense of drive when you're the only person you know turning the crank to think well if I stop turning the crank nobody else is going to do it so I've got to keep it going yeah and you're so right well we're my friend used to say we're human beings not human doings yeah and stopping to just be you you said gave the example of the walk oh my goal is 10,000 steps or some people are like you know I've got to get around the block with the dogs how about you just put your boots on step out the front door and see where you go yeah some people they're really like but I need to where's my goal directed action (laughs) I I need those calm bits (laughs) yeah so when I did my NLP course I can't remember if it was the practitioners or masters but one of the things that we did so really, I'd completely forgotten that we did this until you just mentioned stepping outside the door and seeing where you go. We worked in pairs and we left the building of where we were doing the training course and we had to walk behind the person that we were paired with. And we had to mirror their step, mirror their arm swing, mirror their pace, mirror their direction and mirror where we thought their breathing was and almost step into the other person to create that experience of being doing things differently and stepping into how somebody else might do it. And it was such an interesting, you, know, you think when you hear how that's explained, you think, well, you know, you're just walking at a different, it's no different to when you go for a walk with somebody who has a slightly different footstep or different pace but when you're walking behind somebody and you're mirroring their arm swings and their the step and the way their feet land, it's a very um, present exercise of you just shut everything else in the world out around you because you're focused on where are their shoulders, how's their head tilted, 
you know, what's, are their arms swinging in the same rhythm as their feet? How are their feet landing on the pavement? And I just think we get, we get very repetitive, don't we? The things that we do, the way that we walk, the path that we take, whether we go left, whether we go right, and actually just taking a different route and going in a different direction, even if you do the same loop, but back to front or you know, anti-clockwise, you see things differently. You see yeah. things differently on your walk. Your view is different, which means your thoughts potentially might be different and the experience might be different. I feel I've gone off on a tangent slightly, but I think just that memory of following somebody else who walked completely different to how I did and a much slower pace, which I think is why it's why your the what you said really resonated with me because I remember having to walk really slowly behind this person who just ambled and I was like actually this is quite nice <laughs> just quite nice to just stroll and she would you know she was looking around I was thinking I don't look around like I'm I'm you know I'm seeing these things that I don't see it, it, it was a, a very interesting experience I guess the the takeaway here is to you know, go left instead of right, you know, look up instead of down and just try something that's different to how you might normally or naturally do things because there's there's a value in doing things differently. There's a huge value because if everything becomes automatic, like the route we take around the block or whatever, then the same is true of our thoughts. And as you've quite mm -hmm. rightly said, if you allow yourself to discover where your feet are taking you rather than doing that route, you're allowing your thoughts to emerge as they are rather than planning what to think. Yeah. Very valuable. Mm. Although I did that on the coastal path last time and ended up going around in a very big circle. It was nice. I'm still walking, still taking in a different view. And I got to see the trees from both sides because I saw them when I went clockwise and I saw them when I went back again in the other time. It's oh. <laughs> still value. It was a nice, it was a nice thing to do. So interesting. Mm. So I love what I love about these is that firstly, because I don't know what questions are coming, it's quite nice to think about things in a different way. But I also love the fact that the guests quite often have such a different way of thinking and a different perspective. So I always come out of these, they're almost a reflection and review process in their own right, because I'm thinking about how I might go away and do things differently based on somebody else's perspective. So thank you. Great questions. Thank you, because I've learned a lot as well. And I, I same thing, I'm processing. I've got stuff to write down after we're done. <laughs> did we answer all five because i was we did we did oh fantastic oh thank you very much for your time today uh we My will pleasure. put your details in so that people can find you so we'll put the link into your website so people can come and find more about you and more about what you do um and if there are any questions feel free to put them in the comments dependent on where you're watching or listening back or, or pop a an email through and we'll answer them but thank you very much for your time today thank you for having me this has yes. been lovely it was a great great lots and lots of value in there and we will be back with another guest another topic and more questions very soon wait a minute don't forget to like share and, and subscribe, subscribe.